Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest edition of the Cathedral Sport Podcast, hosted by myself, Ash. Again, no bald with me tonight, folks. He's probably still knackered from his media work, which I've got to keep secret, but he will be on your television screens very soon, put it that way. Right, ladies and gents, what have I got in store for you tonight? Well, I'm going back to my roots a bit here, location-wise. I went to school in the Croydon Borough when I was a kid, even though I watched another non-league side um, in South London growing up. I always kept a keen eye out for another club's results. We used to have our school sports day at their home ground. And that is a home of Croydon FC, a.k.a. the Trams, where I spent a couple of Saturday afternoons if I was at a loose end and uh, tooting were away. And I'm delighted to welcome onto the show Croydon FC gaffer Liam Giles. Liam, thank you very much for agreeing to come on. How has life been treating you through this madness that is 2020? Good evening, Ash. Um... Yeah, it's a, been a bit of a crazy ride, really, um, in terms of football. We've been a bit stop-start. Obviously, our season ended due to the virus. Um, we finally got it back going, and it's been halted again. So, in football terms, mate, well, in all terms, really, it's it's been a bit of a crazy year. Yeah, yeah. Um... It's annoying as well to stop start stuff because once you get your, you think you've got your players up to match fitness and stuff like that, and then you know lockdown happens, you can't train together and stuff like that. It's a it's a real pain, and it's gonna it's gonna probably take a couple of weeks, maybe even a month to get back up to that again. So yeah, I totally feel for you, mate. I really do. Um, I'm gonna go right back to the start though with you, Liam. Yeah, uh, I've got a black I've got a blank canvas here, so which is a good thing. I like that. Um. <laughs> Tell us, tell us about just a bit about yourself, where you where you grew up, where you went to school, and how you got how you got involved in the game. So, like yourself, Ash, I'm uh, I was born and bred in South Norwood, um, a stone throw away from Croydon Arena. Actually, um, I went to I went to primary school at Rylands, which actually is beside the arena. Um, I think they've changed its name now to Oasis, but that's where I went to primary school. Um, I went to secondary school at Stanley Tech um, up South Nord Hill um, and I moved out the area at around the age of 14, 15. Uh, my parents relocated um, out to Wallingham in Surrey. Um, so yeah, that, that's a bit about me there. Um, I actually played for Croydon from the age of six years of age, um, played mini soccer um, and played through the age groups, playing in the Tandridge League up until I was 14. Again, when I moved out the area, went to play at Whiteleaf for a little while and then came back at under-18s and played for Croydon again. Well, it's, it's amazing when you said, like, Stanley Tech, my, my eyes lit up a bit. I went to Harris, just around yeah. the corner from there. Yeah, and... uh I grew up on the pitches of the of the bogs of South Norwood playing fields. Um, you'll know them very well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, indeed, indeed. Yeah, um, just mud baths, basically, every time we played football. But yeah, we we played Stanley quite a few times when I was at school. So uh, yeah, a bit, little bit of a rivalry there. The two closest schools together. Um, yeah. Later on, later on, did you did you get to any sort of level? Um, were you playing on the playing side of things? Um. Only, only sort of step five of non-league. So I played um, 
from the age of, well, 16, I first played uh, in the Combine Counties for Wallingham, actually, while I was playing for Croydon in the under-18s. Um, I'd signed for the first team, who at the time were still in the Ishmian League at Croydon, um, but I didn't actually break into the side. I was training with the first team, so they said to go to get some experience, some game time down at Wallingham. Um, who actually had a good side. They won the Combined Counties Division 1, which is the equivalent to what what Croydon are in now at Step 6. Um, I made a few appearances there and played most of my playing career, mate, at Step 5 or Step 6 um, at Hawley Town, Banstead Athletic, um, done the rounds a little bit, Napil, Collier's Wood. Um, yeah, so I'd say not not a not an amazing career, but played at step five, step six and won won a couple of leagues and, and a cup. So yeah, was quite happy with it really. See to me, Liam, that's that's still a good level. I mean most kids that I thought were amazing at football at school didn't yeah. even get to that level. I mean we we had one lad that went to Bromley, then went to play in play in America, uh Scott. But other than that, no one no one even got to step six. And our school team were pretty decent. So Look, mate, I, that is, it's, not, it's not a bad career at all. I think, I think it's pretty decent. And look, there's the sort of grounds I used to go around watching games on when I was a teenager in my late teens and stuff like that. So I know that uh, sort of level quite well, so to speak. Um, how did you get... So did you just naturally get into coaching or was there anything else that you wanted to do or was it just, you know, football, football, football all the way? Um. So the, the, the coaching side of it, obviously I've loved football since since I can remember. Um used to go and watch my dad play um photos of me at like sort of two years of age at his Surrey Cup finals, rolling around in the mud and stuff and you know, it's it's all I've ever known. So if if I could have had a career in football, um that would have been obviously would have been great. Um with the with the coaching side of things, I got involved around 10 years ago now with Bromley um a young my one of my younger brothers was playing for Bromley and um they needed help I was still playing at Hawley at the time and I basically ended up getting lumbered with taking over the team um at the time saying getting lumbered which I actually ended up thoroughly enjoying um the only trouble was is I I was living down in Crawley um so commuting down to Bromley on a Wednesday night for training um, having games on a Tuesday night myself or training and um, Thursdays and Saturdays I was at the house an awful lot um, I did that for about three seasons um, and had to step away I had to make a choice whether I continued to play or I carried on doing the coaching because of um, obviously my my home life with with my missus and then I um we had a little a little one so I had to sort of make a cutback and it was that um and then yeah obviously continued to play for a few more years and then got involved coaching at Holmesdale in the under 18s a friend of mine Tommy Cavanagh um who runs KNR uh, Sports Academy actually got me involved there um with him basically coaching and managing them um, I was there for half a season and then the Croydon job come come around. So that's that's my story there, really. Yeah, excellent, mate. Um, 
commitment paid off again with all the com- uh, with all the commuting. So he finally finally landed the job at Croy- uh, Croydon. Um, yeah. Judging by your photo, you're, you're a young manager. Uh, yeah. What are, the, what are the challenges of, of, of being a young manager? There's a lot more young managers in the game these days, which is good to see. Um, is, there, is there any challenges that comes with that? I mean, how do you assert yourself in a dressing room and, and stuff with, uh, say, more senior players and stuff like that to, to get your respect, so to speak? Um, I think it's always a challenge. I think that, obviously, with the younger players, um, not, not so much. Um, for me, for example, I'm... I manage probably four or five players that I've played alongside, um, which is quite difficult because they become your friends through football. Um, to then when you've got to either drop them or, you know, have conversations with them if they're not playing well or it's always difficult. Um, for me, so I, I actually run a scaffolding business. So for me, that's a massive challenge in itself dealing with scaffolders um so for me me, in terms of sort of asserting myself in the changing room I don't sort of you know I'm sort of don't really take no shit um but on sorry excuse my language no Um, you're fine you're fine on here mate it's it's, you're safe (laughs) to swear on here don't worry about it yeah (laughs) get carried away um yeah so obviously but on on the flip side you know we meet me and my assistant John Gladwin you know, we, we do everything we can and, you know, we look after the, our players as, as best as we can and make them feel as profe- professional as we possibly can. Um, but in terms of, you know, gaining the respect, it, it, I think as a young manager is difficult. Um, but I feel that you, you, you earn that respect regardless of whether you're a, an older manager or a younger manager. At the end of the day, I feel that I've played for managers you know, that uh, are in their 50s that, you know, have, have lost changing rooms um, and ultimately uh, have lost players' respect. So I, I think it is it is always a tricky one. I feel that I'm quite a strong character. So I don't think the age factor is is too bad. But again, I think, I think it can always cause a problem. Yeah, I totally got, get what you mean, um, especially about the, the managing your mates bit. I've had to do that a few times in the in the chef world and it's uh it, it's never worked out for me really because they just they just walk all over me especially my pal luke luke if yeah. you're listening mate yeah you um <laughs> uh, <laughs> but look i mean if the, if the players especially the younger ones are learning something new from you all the time they're, they're going to respect you so are you sort of a cool calm and collected kind of guy or does, does the hairdryer ever come out liam um, yeah, the, the hairdryer's definitely been out a few times. Um, <laughs> I try, I, you know, I, I'm a very, very passionate person. Um, in anything I do, I want to be the best at and want to be successful and put, a, especially, especially with Croydon, it means an awful lot to me playing from such a young age and growing up in the area. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to fail. I feel that, you know, if, if things are, you know, at the end of the day, I, I can I can take um, us being beat. Um, what 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 actually would wind me up is if I feel that we haven't we haven't gave it a good shot or people have given up. Um, you would find me sort of getting a bit a bit um, upset about that. But 
in regards to, you know, if we've lost a game of football and we've played well and we've given it our best shot, you know, then I would remain calm. But there has been times where, you know, it, we've gone through the motions and we, we should be doing a lot better than we have. And we've had to sort of, uh, like you say, get, get the old hairdryer out, give, give a bit of a uh, rollicking and, and go again. But yeah, I think it all depends on, on the mood and how things are going. Um, I find that you find patterns during the season. Obviously, I'm still learning every every week, every day in, in, in football. I think you always will. And again, especially as a young manager. Um, so, uh, yeah, I feel that you go through stages where things might be really good. You go through stages where things aren't so good. And I think that also determines on your mood and, and, it, and it rubs off in, in your everyday life, really. Um, you know, my, my missus will know about it if, if we've played poorly or we're going for a bit of a rut because I'll be as miserable as anything around the house, you know, because it's just, it's that much a part of you. So, yeah, um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's definitely a mood, a mood setter, shall we say. Yeah, oh, definitely. I can, I can quite imagine. Um, I mean, I'm from the, the cooking world. You've got to throw your whole whole life, well, it was anyway. You have to throw your whole life into it um, and, and all your passion into it because it, it, it is all or nothing. It's just one of them games. And the current uh, the current crop of players you have got at the moment, Yeah, you, you're doing okay in the league. Um, I, I have been following the results and stuff like that. How far can the current crop of players go? How far do you think they can go? What is the club's long-term ambitions? Because I remember Croydon when I was a teenager, they were in the Isthmian League, which is called the, the Pitching In League now or something like that. Mm-hmm. Change it every year. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, they had players like Nick McDonnell playing for them and players like that. And they, they were a really decent side. Um, and I, 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 look, I don't know what happened. I'm not going to I'm not gonna ask. I'm not going to go into that side of things. It's all about you. It's not about, you know, the, the, any politics of the club or anything like that. But you found yourselves now in the Southern Counties Eastern League. Um, you know, how, how far can you go? What's the ambition? How far can the current crop go? So, again, um, I, I feel that we have a very, very good bunch. Um, we have a very, very young side. Um, we've got quite a few lads that have come through the Kinetic Foundation programme um, who basically in, they have a, a a way of playing which is very, very attractive football. Um, and and if you're at Kinetic, you know, you're, you're a very privileged footballer. You're, you know, you have ability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we've, we've been blessed with having a few of those come through, obviously, them having um, the under eighteen set up at the club. Um, I feel that my, my personal ambition, well, uh, and the clubs, obviously this year is we have to, we have to get promoted. Um, it's a unique season again, obviously because of last year finished early, um, but of four promotion places from division one back to the premier. Um, so, that is our minimum target. We have to we have to get promoted this year, otherwise it goes back to one or two and it gets even harder. Um, I, I feel that we should be title contenders, let alone just promotion. But we have we have faced we've faced a very very tough start 
Um, obviously, due to the arena being closed due to COVID, we haven't played a home game yet. So we've played seven games in the league on the road. Um, five of them against other promotion rivals that were all in the top, say, top eight at the end when COVID hit last year. Um, we've lost two of them games, um, drawn one, and we've beat two. We've we've won two, so we beat two sides that last year we didn't pick up any points against. So for me, that's already a plus on last year. Um, so our lot, my my personal long term ambition is again, like you say, there, Croydon in the levels they were at, step three, step four. You know, my my overall ambition is, you know, within within five years, I'd love to see Croydon back playing at step four. You know, the old Ishmael and Bostic League. Um, whatever it's called now um you know that would be that would be my my overall ambition to get the club back there don't get me wrong it, it's an incredibly tough task we're, we're at step six now um and there's some good sides and and it's very competitive um and then you know once you get to the the, the scaffold prem you know there's some real silly money being thrown about in that league and you know some real strong sides so again with only one or two promotion spots up for grabs that's always going to be a tough ask but you know we've got a very good squad very young squad that if we can keep together you know we've got a lot so our, our average age is probably around 24 so you know if, if we can keep that bunch together for the next two three years I think we can really really look to try and achieve them goals yeah definitely um They'll be in their prime around 27, 28, a peak physical fitness and uh, body-wise as well, uh, mm. so to speak. So, yeah, if you can keep that team together, that would be good. Um, I, I just want to touch back on something that I, I picked up on that you just said about silly money getting thrown around at that level. Now, it's funny you say that. Where I live now, I live north of the border now. Um, yeah. There's some teams in the in the West of Scotland League, which is, it'll probably be about the equivalent of, what, step six, step seven? Mm-hmm. Um there's some ridiculous money going around. I'm just thinking to myself, how, how do these clubs do it? Where do they get the money from? If someone, if one person just pulls that money out, it, it'll be carnage, you know? So I don't know if it's a good strategy for these clubs doing that long-term. I really don't, um, you know, jury's still out on that, but yeah, I hey. agree. Um, talking about home games as well. Mm-hmm. I picked up on that fact as well, that you, you've been on the road now for, for seven games. Won't be playing at the arena anymore, which is a shame. It's an old relic. Um, I, used to, yeah. I used to love the I used to love the bar there actually when I used to visit it quite. But um, yeah, it's decent. Um, but it's a, it's a move to a national stadium at Crystal Palace. Yeah, uh, which which I know very well as well. Obviously, going to school around that area, no one near there. Mm-hmm. What does that mean for the club? And is the support growing because of the interest in that? And do you think that that, that that will bring more people through the gate? Because I know in years gone by, Croydon did struggle to bring people through the gate. I know Crystal Palace are up the road. I know there's there's other non-league teams in the area. Um, a resurgent Dulwich Hamlet as well in the last 10 years with their fan base that they've built up there. You know, that people could be attracted just to get the train a few stops from Norwood Junction there. You know, it, you know it's very it's very, very hard to to gain support at that level. I know how difficult it is, um, but the club seem to, from what I've seen on social media, seem to be moving in the, in the right direction, so to speak. And, and I've seen people that are interested, genuinely want to go to games that haven't been to, been before. Do you think 
COVID as well has kind of helped people realise that, you know, paying 40, 50 quid for a ticket at Sellers Park isn't just wor- isn't worth it anymore. And going to see a club like Croydon is. Yeah. Um, I, I do feel that as a club, especially from when I first, when I first come in um, to, to the job was, we was probably getting 30 fans maybe, which is, which is criminal for a club of, you know, once was Croydon stature, you know, Um, I I feel that. So we, we've done a lot behind the scenes. We, we had some uh, new sponsors come in who have now become directors of the club um, who have been fantastic. Um, Semplast, they've, they've literally, you know, got us new kits and, done loads of stuff behind the scenes and uh, have really been a godsend really um you know and and all the rest of the the directors behind the scenes have uh, we've all been we've all been really pushing to try and get the club in a better light um last christmas we went to uh Croydon university so the old mayday hospital um and took the players and and a couple of staff took um gifts to the poorly kids on the on the Rupert Bearwald, um, which which was a nice touch, and trying to do things in the community, going into schools, putting on free sessions, just trying to get that that community feel back at the club. Um, I feel that it's Croydon have been overlooked massively. Like you say, you've got Bromley, Sutton, Dulwich Hamlet that have all progressed through the leagues. That all was at one was all at the same level as Croydon not too long ago. Um, so I feel like. With with COVID coming, I don't think I think that was a real real struggle because obviously financially, um, you know we we did then up the average attendance to eighty uh, last season, um, and you know we was getting a nice little following of twenty thirty that were always coming away. Um, but this this move to the National Sports Centre, I think, could be huge for the club. Um, I've seen a lot on social media, obviously we're going to push it and, and market and promote it as best as we can. Um, but again, with, with what's going on with COVID, um, with Palace, Dulwich, you know, not um, being allowed fans in their grounds. Um, although I think that's looking to change now, but I don't know to what capacity. We're hoping we will attract um, a, a decent amount of people, you know, which ultimately will really help the club financially, which has been real tough times with, with no revenue whatsoever. Um, and obviously we have to pay pay to use the facility as well. Um, I, I genuinely do feel that it could be it could be really good for the club. I, I think that the the plan is at some point to return to the arena. Um, obviously I don't know when currently it looks like the pitch would be probably just about good enough to have have sort of cattle on um but, <laughs> but, but that's you know it's it's been left since covid struck so you know not surprisingly um but no go, going back to that going off track a little bit there um the the national sports hopefully we can attract a, a decent crowd um we have attracted some palace season ticket holders start of this season that have been coming away um and have joined the they they've got a group the um, trams Barmy Army they they've joined along that they've said that they won't be renewing their season tickets 
and have bought Croydon FC season tickets. So that's nice to see. Um, and like I say, over over Twitter and stuff, I've had a few messages from people that have come to games that have been Palace fans that have said, great game, um, we'll be back soon. So yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll attract uh, a few numbers and hopefully we can sort of get Croydon's name out there a bit more and and, and start doing positive things, you know? Yeah, I really hope you do. And it's it's great to see that the the club are doing stuff in the community, um, especially that's, you know, the thing you've done at the hospital. And that's it's a really nice thing to hear. Um, I'm sure the kids will remember that as well, because when your kids' things stick in your head, I still remember things from when I was five or six, do you know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. kids will kids will remember that, you know, and they might go up and think, do you know what? I can't afford to go to Palace, I go to Croydon, because they yeah. come and visit me at my time of need. You know, it's, it is things like that. It does hit home with people. Um, I, I think your support will grow at, at Crystal Palace. I, you know, I hope it does as well. You're a good, honest club. Um, moving in the right direction again. I really hope it does go out. And look, I mean, to our listeners as well, you're paying, think about it. Think to yourselves, 40, 50 quid, you know, and, and get games ruined. Your supporter experience ruined by VAR. Or you can go and watch honest football, you know, for what? You get food, beer, program, and your admission probably all for 20 quid. It's a no-brainer. It is an absolute no-brainer. Um, right, all the serious stuff's out of the way now, Liam. So I'm going to do a few quick... <laughs> I'm going to do, do a few quick fire questions with you. Right, every every dressing room's got one. Who's the joker? Who's the clown? Mm, the clown will have to be the goalkeeper, Lee Allen. He's as nutty as a fruitcake. Great lad. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's uh, actually, he, he lives in Bracknell. He travels a long way, an ex-teammate of mine. But he's a, yeah, a real huge character. Um, always playing jokes and telling jokes and being being silly. Uh, so it'd have to be him. It's, it's a thing. It seems to be a common theme with goalkeepers, doesn't it? It's, 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 <laughs> they're all mad. <laughs> yeah, they're all mad. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, I I hate it when I go and go in goal playing fives. I'm thinking, who, who wants balls pinged at them from, from close range? At, nah. Um, who's got the best tunes? Who's the, who's the match day DJ in the dressing room? Again, there's always one. There's always someone that uh, takes over. If you have any music in the dressing room. Yeah, no, we do. This this might be a bit controversial. And if, if they're listening, they'll probably uh, they'll probably have a bit bit of a banter with me on this. But we've actually, we've got a couple of DJs. Um so we've got JP Ryler, who who is a DJ. Um, and then we've also got Jabril Adamson, who actually uh, makes music and, and actually raps. Um, he's got, got actually a couple of songs on, on iTunes and stuff. So I'd say probably either one of them two, really. Yeah, well, it could, could, be, a, could be an argument of who's the main DJ in the dressing room. <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to cause that, lads. I'm sorry. Um, if you had, <laughs> if you ever had a prank called on you by one of the players, has, has anyone ever crossed that line um, <laughs> and oh. tried it? Tried it on, <laughs> or it could be as a player as well. If no one's tried it on you as a manager, it could be as a player. Any anything? Oh, yeah. Well, I can't recall anything off the top of my head um, as a manager. Um, I think they're probably worried that that they won't play again, um, <laughs> depending on how how severe the prank was. Um, but no, as a player, um, I do recall, especially in my in my younger ages, 
you know, the deep heat in the boxer shorts and, you know, you, you, you put your, you're getting changed after you've had your shower, you, you've got dressed, you've gone into the bar and all of a sudden, you know, there's a real burning sensation in your boxer shorts. That's, that's probably the worst one I've had. That ain't too nice, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah, I've not, I've not had that done to me, but I can imagine that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, your chance now, Liam, to uh, just sell the club. Look, to our, we've got listeners in South London, um, mm-hmm. non, especially a few non-league uh, enthusiasts, so to speak, as well, that listening to my show. Yeah. And if they're, if they're at a loose end or anyone that's thinking of changing and had enough of Chelsea, Tottenham, Arsenal, whoever they go to and, and paying silly money for watching on TV as well. What what would you say to him, Liam, yourself? What what would you why Croydon? What why why Croydon? Um I, I personally would say that it's you know, once once you come down and, and you see that the atmosphere, it's a real friendly bunch, um, a real family, a real family club. Um, I feel that especially with the move to the national sports, I think, you know, be, be part of the history um, of us being there. Um, you know, it's a real, it, you know, it's a bit run down. It's a bit old, but it's a real, real venue for a non-league football game. You know, um, the, the views are incredible and, and the, you see the history sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's something else. Um, the fact you can, like you said earlier, you can go, go out for the day, you know, spend 25, probably 30 quid and, and have a real good drink, food, what, you know, get, get your programme, your entry to the, to the game, you know, home, home again. And like you say, it's a lot cheaper than going to watch a Premier League game. That probably wouldn't even be your ticket, you know, that, like you say, is being ruined by VAR. Um, yeah, I, I would just say you, you, you could even get a little feel if, if you go on to YouTube and watch our, our YouTube channel, Trams TV, um, that's that's always quite a good watch and you sort of get a little little view on what we do and clips of goals and interviews and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I just think it's, you know, it's it's different. It's not the same as going to watch the Premier League. You know, the, the level's not the same, but you see the, the, the passion, you know, and, and the hard work and the want of the, of the lads that play at that level. You know, it's, it, it's something else, really. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I, I'll definitely doubt, be down for a game uh, when this is all over. Obviously, I'm the board is shut um, <laughs> for me. I can't, I can't even travel to England at the minute. Um, so, but when it when when um, Miss Sturgeon uh, lifts the restrictions where I live and I yeah. can actually travel down again, I will be taking in the game. I'd love to meet you in person, Liam. Um, yeah, your be beer great. or something, after, or, or, you know, after the game or something like that. I bring a pal with me from up here who, who, who likes non-league and that he'll probably come travel down with me. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you what, mate, I, good luck to you for the rest of the season. I really hope the club gets a, you know, gets a lot bigger uh, fan base wise as well with a move to Crystal Palace. Again, for our listeners that don't know, Crystal Palace was the place that held the original FA Cup final. So there is a lot of history there. Um, there was a lot of FA Cup finals played there. Um, a lot of history there. So get yourselves down there. Um, bin the Premier League off, please. Go and watch local, stay local, support non-league football, support your local club. Liam, thank you so much for coming on tonight, mate. I really, really appreciate it. I've loved having you on. Thank you very much, Ash. Appreciate that. Not a problem. Guys, we are on 
all the platforms on Anchor, Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts. Please give us a listen. We're also on Twitter at Cathedral underscore sport. So please give us a follow on there. Like our stuff, give us a retweet. It doesn't cost nothing. Just help us out. It'd be great. Uh, tomorrow night, we interview Aaron Good um, for the second time. There was a sound issue the first time. Uh, <laughs> so Aaron Good's coming back on. He's been kind enough to come back on to tell his story all over again so we can get that published as quickly as possible. Then on Thursday, we've got the Surrey International team coming on. Danny from the Surrey International team coming on to explain why Surrey have got an international team, which is intriguing. And a week after, we've got District Line Railway FC coming on from the London Underground League. Another one that's uh, built up a lot of interest. A lot of people want to hear about that. So it's quite quirky. Um, we've got a new blog site out as well. Uh, I've, I've done an article last night. If you can be bothered to read it, it's up to you, to be honest. Um, that's, uh, the link to that is in our, in our Twitter bio. And if guys, if you want to support our content at all, look, all our podcasts are free. Everything will be free. Even when we go visual, you're going to be able to watch us for free, read our blogs for free. Um, but if you want to be kind and make a des- uh, gesture towards our hard work, because we do work very hard behind the scenes, um, that'd be more than welcome. We're on PayPal dot me forward slash cathedral sport again liam you have a great week mate thank you very much thank thank you ash you too mate cheers guys